I invite you to hear these words from Scripture, from the book of Acts, chapter 10, beginning in verse 34. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Well, good morning. Again, it's a pleasure to be here uh, with you. For those of you who may be worshiping here for the first time, my name is Carson Reed, and I've had the pleasure of being a guest preacher off and on here for the last several months during this time of transition. So let me just say as one who is uh, a guest here at uh, Johnson Street how much I appreciate the ways in which I see good things going on in the life of this church. So if you're a guest here, I, I share uh, your new perspectives and want to affirm uh, the good that is going on in this church. And if you're uh, a college student making your way to San Angelo, welcome. And I hope that you uh, are off to a good start here and this, that this church is a great place uh, to be. Uh, it's because there's so much goodness and excitement going on. One of the reasons why I'm here is helping during this time of transition uh, this afternoon, or after, after this service, I'll be gathering with the search committee that the elders have put together. Uh, elders and staff have been working hard over the last several months preparing and getting ready for this uh, next chapter of the church's life. And that search committee represents uh, one of the concrete uh, fruitions of that. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting with them as they launch their work in the beginnings of a search for a new senior minister here. All of that's good things. I, we've been talking about the book of Acts in recent weeks when I've been here. And uh, coming out of that and thinking about this time of year as we move to August and the launch of school and study and uh, kind of the resetting of the year prompts me to want to talk about a word. And that word is gospel. You may wonder how I got there with that, but it, it's a pretty big deal in the book of Acts. In fact, the book of Acts is full of sermons. If you read through the book of Acts, it's mostly sermons. Sermon after sermon after sermon that Luke teases together with a little bit of narrative. 
And uh, interestingly enough, there's a lot that's being said about the gospel in all of those gospel sermons. And I, I get to thinking, maybe we ought to just take a little time to ask, what is this core thing that we talk about when we talk about gospel? And I do that because sometimes we can get a little sideways on words. We use a word, and, but it, it might slip a little in its meaning in some ways. Just uh, Friday, I was hosting a, a lunch with about 15 or 18 people, people who work in various offices that, uh, that report to me. We had all kinds of folks gathered in the room, and uh, one, of the, one of the staff folks, a woman by the name of Susie, was uh, introducing herself and talking about how much she enjoyed working with another co-worker, and she said, I love working with the lovely David. And we went, the lovely David? And I'm looking over at the lovely David. This lovely David is six foot six. Uh, he's about 75 years old. And uh, he is uh, well regarded and appreciated and admired, but I would never, ever, ever, ever use the word lovely to describe him. In fact, I made that comment, which got me in trouble. Uh, but. Thinking about it a little bit, Susie, who said that, is from South Africa. And people in South Africa, when they say the word lovely, they mean pleasant. He's a pleasant person. Here in America, when I think of the word lovely, I think of something beautiful. And David ain't beautiful. (laughs) If you know who he is, you can tell him I said so, too. Uh, You know, just kind of confusing. We're using the same word, but we mean different things. Or another example of this, uh, and I know I'm stretching here a little bit. There was an art film done about 25 years ago, pretty highbrow stuff. I don't know if anybody, if it even made it out to West Texas or not. Uh, It was a movie called Princess Bride. Did it? it? Oh, oh, you have heard of this movie. Oh, okay. Well, there's this, this place early on in the movie where this character by the name of Vecini keeps going, Help me out. Inconceivable. And isn't it Montoya, or Inigo Montoya, who has to finally say, I don't think that word means what you think it means. Right? We get this, right? We get the notion that sometimes we can use a word and it really doesn't mean what we think it means. And I'm afraid, and I want to make sure as we start this school year, as we think about this transition time in the life of this church, that we at least get the word gospel right. Because everything hinges on that. Well, so here's what I want to do this morning. It's sort of like uh, back to school. I've got six points. I tried to get it to five, but it wouldn't wouldn't go. Uh, I've got six points I want to make about the gospel. And these six things that are about the gospel are coming out of the book of Acts. Now, how did he do that? Well, here's what I did. Back about 75 years ago, there was a, a, a scholar uh, who's now dead, who, uh, an old dead guy, who, who uh, did a series of studies on the book of Acts. He looked at all of the sermons in the book of Acts. And he distilled out the the stuff out of those sermons, like the one I read a few moments ago. And he said there are six affirmations, six claims about the gospel that the gospel preachers in the book of Acts are making. And so I'm going to take those six things and give them to you in a way that I hope that you can remember. You might even want to write them down on a piece of paper in the back of your Bible. Here we go. 
the first thing that the gospel is, according to all that preaching in the book of Acts, is a declaration. It's an announcement. And the announcement is a big one. It is the announcement that God is showing up, that God is present, that God is here with us. Now, you may say, well, that, you know, that and $5 will buy me a cup of coffee at Starbucks. What does that have to do with anything? Well, think about it for just a moment. Isn't it a rather remarkable thing to think that God is actually present with us? Isn't it a big thing to think about that whenever life is dark, there is this declaration that the light of God is present to us? In the ancient world, in Judea, when uh, the gospel was first being declared by these apostles and prophets and, and folks of the, that we read about in the book of Acts, uh, they were living in a world and an environment where uh, Jewish people were oppressed by the Roman government. They were wondering whether or not God was going to show up. Or think about those first verses in the book of Acts, chapter 1, when the apostles ask Jesus, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Why? Because we want God to show up in our life. It's the sort of showing up that happened to me in a strange way not too long ago from an old friend from Indianapolis where I was in ministry for many, many years. Her name was, is Flory. Flory calls me up out of the blue. I haven't talked to Flory in six or eight years. And it's Flory on the phone. Flory says, Carson. I said, yeah. She says, hi. I said, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, this is great. A blast from the past. She says, no need for small talk. I got a job for you. What? I'm with a woman, a young woman here, who's in a world of hurt, and she needs for you to say something to her. And uh, you'd have to know Flory. Flory is one of these people who never met a stranger and always engages with people to bring them in to the beauties of the gospel. She said, uh, she said the woman's name, whom I, I cannot remember. She said her name and said, uh, she's a young woman whose brother uh, is, has had a whole series of tragic incidents in his life. Uh, he uh, has just dealt with an, a suicide attempt, and he is, his heart is breaking, and her heart is breaking, and she's asking the question, does God care? Is he present in my life? And then she hands the phone over to this woman. <laughs> And I'm going, hi, my name is Carson. And I can hear tears and sobs. And I didn't know what else to do but to say, look, uh, God is present to you. He will not, does not, cannot, will not abandon you. Really? And I said, really? She said, even my brother? I said, especially your brother. Okay. And she hands the phone back to the floor and says, Flory says to me, good job, hangs up, that's it. (laughs) Well, the point is that God is present to us. Remember Christmas? We talk about, and the baby is going to be born, and the baby's name is going to be Jesus, for he'll save his people from his sins, and then there's the other little bit about that, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, and help me out, church, which means God, God with us. That's gospel. First and foremost, the gospel is an announcement that God is with humankind without a doubt. Number two, the gospel not only is a declaration, it's a story. And that's good news because we are people who love stories. In fact, stories are the things that shape us. 
We cannot be human without a story. Uh, it's what the narratives of our lives weave together and help us understand what we, who we are. They're like mirrors that reflect back to us what we are going to become. I am who I am because of the stories of the life of my father and my uncle and other significant persons in my past. And so are you. And you're working out who you are in relationship and narratives that are going on around you all the time. They shape us. I have four children. They're all now in their 20s, except for one that just turned 30. And, uh, uh, and, uh, they, they, and their growing up years were during the time when two significant cultural storylines were, unpl- were being played out. They're still being played out. One of them was the Lord of the Rings, right? So if you went to my house about 15, 18 years ago, and you went into my backyard, instead of seeing a swimming pool or a barbecue grill or anything like that, what you would have seen, this was in Georgia, you would have seen a hillside of pines and oaks full of of archery targets that looked like orcs. And you would find in our closet, I have a nice collection of these, by the way, of great recurved bows from the 1950s. Any of you hunters know what I'm talking about. The old... uh, uh, bear, bear uh, bows. Uh, and, and so my kids grew up shooting orcs in the backyard. Why? Legolas, that's why. Those narratives and those stories shape the imagination of my children. And uh, the light, life is a quest for my kids. They're on a journey. It's a cosmic journey of good and evil, Right? Well, and the other storyline that shaped my children's life was Harry Potter, right? Harry Potter. And so, in fact, this, this really got me. Four years ago, I moved from Atlanta to Abilene, Texas to become a teacher, a professor at ACU. And if you're a professor at any academic institution, you have to have your regalia, uh, which is a fancy name for the zoot suit that you wear with, the, you know, all of the big robes and all that. So I go looking for my, my zoot suit from 25 years ago or so. I can't find it. It's gone. I look everywhere for it. I finally asked my wife, Vicki, what happened to my gown, my academic gown? She says, don't you remember? Well, come to find out, that had been cut off and shortened up and become a Hogwarts robe. <laughs> my hat had been turned upside down and done something with it and... Why? Well, because stories shape us. In church, we've got a story that beats all of the other stories. It is, in fact, the greatest story ever told. It begins with creation and ends with the consummation of all things. And in the very middle of it, the heartbeat of that story is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our story, and we are shaped by it, and it shapes us and forms us and reminds us that no one is left out of God's plan, that there is no brokenness in this world that cannot find redemption by the power of God's love. There is no one who stands too far away from the power of the cross, that there is nothing that can happen in our lives that cannot be transcended by the power of the resurrection. We have a story. And in this time of transition for this church, or in your life as you launch into the fall, 
It is good to know that there's a story that reminds us that God walks with us. Even through the valleys of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for the Lord is with me. We have a story that reminds us of who we are. That's gospel. It's declaration, it's story, and thirdly, thirdly, it's relationship. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. We have a hero, and that hero wants to have a relationship with you and me. We are not talking about, when we talk about the gospel or Christianity, about some set of doctrines or some set of ideas or a a long, lengthy sort of religion or theology and all of that, though all of those things are true. There are doctrines. There are important teachings. There's important theology for us to engage in. But at the heart of our relationship with God is the gospel reality that God invites us into relationship in and through Jesus Christ. We have a relationship with the creator of all the world in and through Jesus Christ. That is gospel. We are not disconnected from God. He invites us in to his very heart in and through the gospel. I'm moving on. We've got, we've got the declaration. We've got a story. We've got a person. And fourthly, we have the presence. The gospel is the presence of God in our world today through the church. That is to say... And believe it or not, this one's a, a little tough one, but we see it in the book of Acts when, God start, when the gospel starts to hit, communities of people form, and these communities look d- kind of different. You read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and you realize that living in the church, being a part of God's people, means that we're going to look a little different. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in that teaching, and they continued praying and breaking of bread and living with one another. There was a community of people that demonstrated the viability, the liveliness of the truth of the gospel. That's why it's so remarkable to be here at Johnson Street and see evidences of the Spirit of God working in this place. Gospel is not just an idea. It's not just person and relationship. It is us, church, living out, embodying for real what gospel looks like. It's gospel with skin on. That's what it is. And so when we talk about Rust Street Ministries, we talk about speaking about and attending to the people who stand at the fringes or bearing witness to the truth of the gospel in intellectual communities like the university at Angelo State University, go Rams and Rambells that all of these environments and places where this church is present is living out and embodying the presence of God by the power of the Spirit working out the gospel in our time and place. The gospel is not something about something that happened in the past. It's about the right here and now. God alive at work accomplishing his purposes. Number five. Number five is that there's an end to this story, that the gospel speaks about the future. In fact, the future is more important about how we can understand the present than the present is. You know the gospel story. Jesus died, buried, was uh, buried. He rose again on the third day, ascended to the Father, and he is coming again. 
Whenever the gospel is preached in the book of Acts, there's always the recognition that God's going to finish at the end of time what he started in the beginning of time. Uh, I've been doing a lot of travel lately. I was with an eldership just yesterday. Uh, A large body of uh, 20, this church has two dozen elders, and I was with them all day yesterday working on some tasks. And uh, one of them spoke up at one point and said, as we were talking about mission and vision, he said, this. He said that the future matters more to our present and helping us figure out what we need to do today than anything else. And you know what? He's right. It is the reality of knowing that God is moving us toward a preferred future that helps us understand what's going on in our present. And for, those, for, for each of us, remembering that God has a plan that God has a purpose, that God has something that he's wanting to work out in your life, and paying attention to that helps us live our life. That is gospel. And then number six, we're talking about it is a declaration, a story, a person, uh, that it is the presence of God in our presence by the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that the gospel speaks to the future The sixth thing is actually a bit of a turn. It is actually an invitation. Now, the way you see it in the the sermons in the book of Acts is by hearing things like repent and be baptized, every one of you, Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 38. I'm calling it an invitation that the gospel has built into it this call of God to invite you and me into the embodiment and living of God the gospel. It is an invitation for us to relinquish other narratives, other stories, other persons. There are lots of people clamoring for uh, to be our heroes these days. Just read presidential politics. But we've got a hero. We've got a relationship with the Lord of all. We have the presence of God among us. These, are, these gospel realities are all inviting us in to live out a life characterized by these things. And I'm suggesting this morning in that invitation that there's much for us to glean and orient ourselves with. In fact, we need things to orient ourselves. And this announcement, this story, this person, the reality of the community of faith empowered by the Holy Spirit, the reality of God's preferred future, all of these things of the gospel are markers that help us on our journey through life. Now, before I moved to West Texas, I was a sailor. I haven't found a place to do that much in West Texas. I've taken up deer hunting instead which has its own finer features. But uh, back in the day, uh, that is to say, uh, well, some years ago, I, I, we kept a sailboat. And uh, we would spend some summers up on the Great Lakes, which are large bodies of water uh, far north of here and east of here. And uh, we, uh, one summer, we had just, GPS systems had just sort of come out for the public. This is back about 98, 99, somewhere in there. I'm getting some dates out there, aren't I? And I had bought a little Garmin device that was sort of hot off the press. It had a crude little screen on it. It was uh, none of the color stuff we have today, right? Um, And uh, we were using it to kind of get around up in the northern parts of Lake Huron. And uh, if you're on a sailboat, a small vessel, 
on a big body of water, knowing where you're at is a pretty important thing to do, particularly after you've been out all day, as we had, and we're trying to make our way up into an area called the McGregor Bay into our home dock where we were staying for a couple of weeks for vacation. Well, wouldn't you know it, the battery went down on the unit. So now I was left with very rudimentary things. A compass on the boat, a chart, and the knowledge, local knowledge, that there was a lighthouse and a cabin on a point that stuck out into the bay that had a distinctive light on it, and the knowledge that there was an old marina that we thought still had a street light out on its dock that had been abandoned, but it was the light burned. And uh, those landmarks, I've got to tell you, became increasingly important as we made our way back in. You know, life is good when everything's just swimming along wonderfully. Uh, when when uh, the, the textbooks are all new and fresh and not been cracked open, or when uh, everything is nice and fresh and new, uh, but then things change quickly when dusk hits and dark settles in. And that happens in our lives. It happens in our life as a congregation. And in those moments, we've got to have some good charts. And we've got to have a compass. And we need to know where the lighthouse is at. And we know, need to know where that cabin is out on that p- promontory point. And we've got to keep our eyes open for the old street light by the abandoned marina if we're ever going to find our home again. Church, the gospel is all of that for us. It helps us navigate our life. It gives us a declaration by which we hold our lives to. It gives us a story that shapes the narrative of our own living. We have a relationship with, the, with Jesus Christ, a living relationship. We have living community by the power of the Spirit that in, enriches our lives. We have a sur- sure and certain future that gives us orientation and focus. And we've all been invited to participate in this gospel story. And I'm inviting you today to once again, in deeper and deeper ways, participate in that same gospel story. Oh, you may have been baptized many, 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 many years ago, but I'm suggesting to you that every week when we gather together, implicit in our very gathering is the opportunity for us to do a little repenting, a little reorienting, a little course changing, a looking again to make sure we got the lighthouse uh, off the, uh, the port beam, a, a little bit of orientation to make sure that we can see up off of the starboard side where that old cabin is at so that we can finally and, uh, and, and in, in good order make our way to where God desires and intends for us. That's the invitation for you this morning to embrace this gospel this gospel message. If we can help you in that, uh, elders and ministers are here to pray with you at the front, at the back. Let's all stand together and sing as Jake leads us.